It's Pastor Mike. We're going to talk about chapter four of the Partner's Manual. And this is all about prayer. Developing an effective prayer life is what we call it. And uh, certainly the upshot of it all is to uh, have a prayer life, a prayer life that's substantial, a prayer life that is um, a priority. And uh, we start right out of the gate, um, not with trying to say you ought to pray, you ought to pray, because I think every Christian has the sense that they ought to pray. Uh, we actually start to talk about the privilege of prayer. What an amazing thing that it is that we as Christians have the ear of Almighty God. So uh, though the question that we talk about in the margin to kind of evaluate the current state of, a, of our partner's prayer life uh, may, uh, you know, induce some guilt, the point is not to really push from behind, but from the very beginning of the chapter to kind of you know, pull from the front that uh, as we develop a, a prayer life that's effective and prioritized in our lives, it, it is an amazing privilege for us, and it does so many things for us as uh, children of God. So we want to encourage, we want it to be an encouraging time. I know it's easy to uh, point out the lack in our prayer lives, which at some point we have to deal with in the chapter, but I really encourage you as you start to lead your partner through this, uh, that we uh, pull out the, the, the great privilege of prayer, and you go through some of those verses in the very first section of the chapter. One of the best things we can do in this chapter is work to define what prayer is so that we can weed out what prayer is not. And uh, so we start with the definition that I provided in the chapter, and it's uh, more of a logical definition based on what the scripture says prayer is, and that focuses down to the very uh, the essence of what it is. It's not, it's not a speaking. It's not about what our words say necessarily. Uh, it's about what our minds are doing and how we are directing thoughts to God. It's not thinking about God. Uh, it's not talking about God. Uh, it's actually having a, a, a thought that is directed and formed and, and directed to God, given to God. Uh, it's something that can happen without words, as you know. Uh, but if, if we get down to that definition, then we can begin uh, in the sec second section of this chapter to, to deal with the problem of, of uh, cliches and things that often pass for prayer just because they sound like prayer. And uh, I know a lot of these cliches are picked up when we learn to pray in groups and people start saying a lot of things that uh, sound right in a prayer meeting or in a small group. But uh, really, they, they creep into our personal prayer lives, and we start to say things that, uh, you know, may have no mental activity in our minds. That we talk about, God bless this person, or uh, as I give the, some of the examples there, you know, uh, whatever it might be, nourish this food to our bodies, or, or um, you know, give them traveling mercies. We come up with these phrases, but if our minds are not engaged in what we're actually trying to communicate with God, then we're not praying. Uh, as Jesus put it in the Sermon on the Mount, we might just be babbling and think we'll be heard for our many words. So it's helpful if in this section we can try to be uh, self-critical enough to, to define what some of our cliches are and to be able to recognize that when we get into those patterns of saying those things that sound like we're praying, they actually can be facades that we hide behind and actually don't get to real praying. So we need to weed those out. And it starts by identifying them and knowing what prayer actually is. Just a quick word about praying in groups. As we'll see later, and we certainly recommend in the manual, it is great to pray with other Christians. Uh, but praying in groups has its, uh, its pitfalls and temptations. Uh, not only simply praying in a way that we think uh, people will uh, be impressed with or it sounds like good praying, uh, but as a spectator in particular, I, I mean that as a as a problem when we become spectators in prayer, listening to other people praying, uh, 
uh, or verbalizing prayers and not actually engaging in them mentally. We need to recognize that the group is never praying until all those people in the group are actually relating the same or similar thoughts that the leader in the prayer is, uh, is verbalizing. Uh, so the praying in groups, we, we, we want to encourage it as much as possible, certainly a biblical practice, but we want to be really disciplined in our thinking to kind of police our minds and our thoughts to make sure we're not just criticizing or evaluating the person who's leading the prayer and making sure that whenever we pray in groups that we are casting our thoughts to God, we're directing our thoughts to God. And when we're asked to pray, uh, which we should all find a level of comfort doing at some point in our Christian life, uh, we should make sure that we ourselves are directing our words and our thoughts to God and not just praying for those that are listening to our words. The next major section begins by talking about the purpose of prayer. And um, this is essential that we get to the biblically stated and the biblically implied reasons uh, for praying and avoiding some of the theological conundrums that may come with it. And some people are going to go there immediately and say, why pray if God already knows what I'm thinking? Or why pray if God is sovereign, he's going to do whatever he's going to do anyway? Uh, we got to get back to what we see in Scripture. Uh, both implied by way of example and what is taught. And first of all, we see that as the Son, during his incarnation on earth and his earthly ministry, is constantly uh, getting time away to talk to the Father, it's all about their relationship. And especially in the Gospel of John, that emphasis is made repeatedly. You can't have a relationship. You can't have the, the, the joy of relating to someone unless there's a constant communication, unless we're regularly, as the psalmist put it, pouring out our hearts to God. So uh, just for the sake of relating to God, which was the whole point of reconciliation, for us to come uh, and, and have the sin barrier removed and have us uh, relating to God as his children, uh, we need to make prayer a priority and enjoy the process of us relating to God by giving him our statements and our words, our thanksgiving and our requests regarding all the things that we deal with and face and all that we experience in life. So prayer is certainly that. And in the next section, we talk about kind of getting to the issue of the conundrum of prayer is that we want to get, a, get involved and, and become uh, merge ourselves into, I think is how I put it, uh, into what God is doing. My prayer life uh, certainly changes me. It, it'll change the circumstances, the Bible says, and though there's some theological, you know, head scratchers as regarding how, how that all works, the bottom line is I become conformed to God and His desires. I become more sensitive to what God wants to do, particularly as we learn to pray in Jesus' name, which is what we address in that section. As I know that my prayers should constantly be submitted uh, to the will of God and to whatever we uh, see in Scripture as the will of Christ, then I'm constantly, as I pray, conforming myself more and more to what God wants to do, and prayer changes me. I mean, that certainly is an obvious byproduct of a, uh, a healthy, prioritized prayer life, is it's going to do a lot in my heart to change the way I think. Wisdom really is the end result of my prayer life for me in terms of my own spiritual development. I begin to think more wisely about what God is wanting to do in this world because I'm constantly bringing my life, the circumstances of this world and this generation to God in prayer. So uh, avoid, if you can, uh, getting uh, at least stopped or blocked or tripped up 
with the uh, question of prayer and God's providence, and let's focus on how it uh, builds our relationship, how it certainly gets me involved in being the answer to what God wants to do uh, in this church and in the world, and, uh, and also to recognize that when I'm praying thoughtfully about in praying in Jesus' name, that I'm, I'm doing the very thing that I need to do, and that is seeing my life and all that I have any oversight over being more conformed to the, to the will of God. And that phrase, uh, in Jesus' name, of course, we would challenge those in partners to uh, make sure that they know what they're saying by that. We talk about all of that in the chapter. It's spelled out carefully, uh, and maybe even sometimes replacing the words so it just doesn't become a, uh, just a phrase or a line that we tag on to the end of our praying, but it really becomes something that I can articulate in several ways, that we want uh, God to be our mediator, or Christ, rather, to be the mediator to God. We're coming in His authority, and that we want to see God's will done, and the things that we're bringing to Him we assume to be, and we trust to be, and often we're confident are the things that God God uh, would want to get done because they're the priorities that Jesus had in his earthly ministry. So this is an important section, and we want to stay focused on uh, the, some of the stated biblical goals uh, that help me understand what prayer does in my life and in the world. And certainly God responds, and in time, that's the great thing that we get to see is that we ask and God answers, and, uh, and we celebrate those things. So uh, stay focused in this section and make sure that we get everyone uh, who goes through partners uh, excited about being more uh, intimate with God and more a part of what God is doing in this world through our increasing prayer time. In the middle of this chapter, we deal with the Lord's Prayer, as it's called, which was the disciples' prayer given by the Lord to teach them how to pray. Uh, of course, uh, it's not a prayer simply to be recited, which many people do. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but even as verse 7 says there in chapter 6 of Matthew, uh, it's not about just reciting phrases uh, and, and having my mind checked out. It's about us really taking what Jesus is saying here as a template or a model or a pattern for prayer and making sure that I pray that way. Uh, not a lot of questions in that section. I just break down basically the elements that we find in the disciples' prayer, that model prayer. Uh, but at the end, I do ask some questions that are worth following up on and making sure that we talk through, and that is looking at what Christ talked to us um, about and what he told us to pray for. Uh, how does our prayer life match up to that? And, and what are the elements that we leave out? What are the things that we don't generally do? Maybe for some it's that we rarely focus about the coming kingdom of God. Uh, maybe it's not a focus on being a forgiving person and seeking God's forgiveness. Whatever element it is, spend some time talking about that. I ask a question that can be insightful there for your partner, and that is, well, why do you think that is a neglected part of your prayer life. And that's a great section just to dig a little deeper, get to know your partner better, and try and understand maybe why there is some of that lack uh, in their prayer life, why there's that blind spot there, and how we can help bring that uh, to the forefront and be a part of, of our praying. So uh, good a good exercise at least to go through that template and, and to break that down. I've done that for you there, but to talk about it and to make sure that our prayer lives are reflecting all the elements there that Jesus talked about in Matthew 6. As I often talk about whenever I talk about prayer, the Bible has two major kinds of praying or two categories of praying, two classes of prayer, if you will. And that is the kind of praying that we do all the time, the incessant, regular praying without ceasing. Uh, which is super important for us. It keeps our mind aware uh, and mindful of Christ, that we know his presence, is, uh, is, his perception is around us, that he, he walks with us, he never leaves us and forsakes us. So that's an important thing. And we can certainly challenge our partner in that regard and talk through those 
uh, questions there under that section. But then it's the focus times of prayer, which I think I do first in the chapter. Uh, those are the ones that are easy to neglect. Even if someone is mindful of, of, of Christ and you know, uh, throwing up thoughts to God at work or on the commute or in the shower or whatever, uh, they may not have those focus times of prayer where they really block everything out that is such a common feature of the godly people in the Bible and uh, just focus on talking to God, communicating with God. And this is a disciplined thing in our life, uh, kind of the frenetic pace of life. Uh, Christians seem to have a, a, an increasingly difficult time uh, making that time for prayer. And Jesus shows us how to do it by getting up early and finding a solitary place and all of that. And we go through all that in the partner's manual. But just know that uh, it's a lot easier to get a Christian uh, to throw up one-liners to God throughout the day. It's a lot harder to, to get that time as a disciplined, focused part of our lives. And as I try to underscore often, it's Satan's great strategy to disconnect Christians from God through prayer. So we know that, that God is going to uh, uh, desperately want to see these prayer lives increased and Satan is going to want these things to be decreased and, and minimized and he'd, he'd like to do away with all of our focused times of praying. So we've got to fight for that. It's got to be a part of uh, what we do to deny ourselves and some of the things we could do with our time to make sure that we're getting those uh, times in solitary, just one-on-one -on -one communication with God. And, uh, and we want to help with that by having them think through their schedule and uh, even their physical locale or whatever they can do, however their day plays out, where we can try and make sure they've got a place and a time and you can provide some accountability to have those undistracted times of prayer. In the chapter here with uh, prayer lists, and of course we're not trying to uh, suggest that you get your partner to, to do all of these, but there's suggestions and some of them uh, your partner may have already uh, experimented with or maybe they do one or two of these, but uh, just to open up their minds to the different ways that they could uh, keep lists of pr uh, for prayers and, and even record answers to praying. Uh, that's important. We see a lot of that in the Bible. Certainly the Apostle Paul's giving his uh, congregants and those Christians that he writes to a lot of itemized things to be praying for and to do that it's great when we can organize them and we can list them out uh, so we just want to secure at the end of the chapter uh, you know some commitment to some method of, of listing categorizing itemizing and kind of methodically praying through a set of uh, prayer requests and uh, plus it gives a whole lot more meaning and it gives a target to uh, when we say to our friends uh, at church or, or a small group, hey, I'll pray for that. And it's great. We can go and put it right on that prayer list and we can meet God in those undistracted times of prayer to pray through uh, those lists. And uh, talk about journaling. I talk about, you know, uh, opening up a computer and, and, and praying uh, as we, we type out our thoughts to God and uh, kind of recording them. It can be complicated. It can be simple. But whatever we do, we want to make sure that uh, we as, as the leaders and partners and those we're taking our, uh, through the program who are our partners, that they're getting that discipline and that practice of putting prayer lists together. So prayer, Everybody knows they need to do it. The chapter is going to try to up that practice, make it a, a high priority. And uh, your job is to help them uh, kind of think through the aspects and options in that and then keep them accountable. So this is a week in particular where you'd want to uh, call, text, email your partner regularly just to ask them, how's your prayer life going? Did you get some undistracted time of prayer? Uh, have you had any answers to your prayers that you've listed out on your prayer list? It's a, it's a good week uh, to get 
some real practical communication going through the week. But let's get our partner and ourselves committed to and devoted to, as Colossians says, uh, to being alert in prayer and praying. Uh, we want to do that, have to do that. It's, it's the essence of uh, relating to God on a daily basis.